All right. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time, if you don't mind, as we read our text together. Um, this is the second Sunday in Advent, as we already mentioned. So we are taking a brief break from Ecclesiastes. Um, some of you, that's a good thing. It was a good thing for me. And so we are in Mark's Gospel. Here we are, chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Advent, it's, uh, some of you aren't too familiar with that uh, season of the year. We, many of us just call Christmas everything in sort of December. Traditionally, Advent is those four weeks heading up to Christmas that create uh, a longing, an anticipation, a preparation for Christmas when the child is born. And I said last week as we looked at uh, Isaiah 64 that Advent um, begins in the dark. Um, it doesn't begin with holiday lights or, I would say shopping malls. Do we go to shopping malls anymore? Online shopping. It doesn't begin with the jolly and the fun. It begins in darkness. Um, it begins, uh, or the light only comes when the desperation is named and, and felt. Advent begins uh, with desperation and all hope is lost. Then out of the loss comes the hope of Christmas, and as we move towards the manger and the baby, um, we, we, uh, we make our way in anticipation to that great hope, but we're not there yet. And so out of the darkness, we see a figure uh, coming. He's, wa- he, he's, he's bursting out of the shadows. Is this the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the hope of Israel? We're told here, the forerunner, the herald, is it's John the Baptist. Um, some of you remember that uh, famous poem, uh, Henry Wordsworth Longfellow, uh, The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Did you have to learn that? Do you know those words? It was April the 18th, I think, in 1775. Uh, what did Paul Revere do? Do you remember? He, uh, he, he heard what? The British were coming. He, he ran and uh, he hung a lantern in Old North Church there in Boston. And then he, he got on his horse and his friend and went across uh, the bridge outside of town. And do you know where they went? They went to Lexington and Concord, right? Remembering your history from, you know, seventh grade now at this point. He went and he said, the British are coming. He came in the darkness to tell them, to warn them that the British were coming. Why? So that the people could be prepared, right? The patriots, the colonies could, could gather their tr- supplies, could gather their, their armies to be prepared for this day, for the battle. In Scripture, that's the role of John the Baptist. He is the, the forerunner. He's the herald to come, to tell the people out of the darkness um, 
The silence has been broken. He is, in that way, he's sort of Mr. Advent. Uh, he serves the purpose perfectly. He is the one we see as the Gospel of Mark, probably the first Gospel written. So we have the first Gospel, and you have the first words, and they speak of the one who has come to prepare the way in John the Baptist. How does John the Baptist help us prepare for Advent? We're going to look at three different things here. First thing he does is he shows us, John shows us uh, that God's, uh, God's promises will be fulfilled. God's promises will be fulfilled. Verse 2 says this, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make, make his path straight. Actually, that, that's a combination of two Old Testament prophecies. It's Malachi, the first verse. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. And then the second part is from Isaiah, chapter 40, part of what Tommy read earlier where he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And um, Mark combines those and says, this is from Isaiah. And he tells us about this one John who has come. He shows us that the, the promises of God will be fulfilled because the messenger, the one promised, is here to bring the good news. He's not the good news, but he's the one to come to bring the good news. You see our anticipation? He's not him yet, but you see him coming, you get excited, you know, maybe you have the... Uh, you, know, you order the package online, and uh, you're waiting for it to come, and then you see the tracking number, okay, you're getting excited, and then you see the next day, Amazon truck, right, the van pulls in your driveway, and you get excited, right, it's, it's almost there, and then the messenger gets out, and he, he walks, and you see him coming to the door, and it's, you're getting excited, it's not there yet, right? We haven't quite opened up the package. That's what John does. But in doing so, it's not just the prophecy of Jesus that will be fulfilled from the Old Testament, but it's all the pieces and the parts that reveal to us that God is a promise keeper, that God will be true to his promises. He said it back in Isaiah some 750 years before. He spoke of someone that's going to come as the precursor to the Messiah, and now he's on the scene. Silence is broken. And John has come. John is the fulfillment of the Old Testament anticipation. The, end, the, the final words of the English um, Old Testament uh, is the book of Malachi. Um, and it speaks of the prophet, uh, one like the prophet Elijah who's coming. Right? Elijah's coming. Well, Elijah was one of the desert prophets. Mark's Gospel later will tell us that John the Baptist is the new Elijah. He has come. It, it, it describes him. He is uh, camel's hair, leather belt, and locust and honey. He is the desert father come to break the silence that the Scripture will be fulfilled. The messenger is here. But not only is he come to, as the messenger come, but with the arrival of John the Baptist and the breaking in of, out of the silence, it, it reveals to those that would be followers of, of God, those Israelites, that the, that the new kingdom error has come. Um, it was 400 years from the end of the Old Testament until 
So, so imagine, you, you have the, the, you're a good Jew, and you have the Old Testament, you have the Torah, you have the words, you have the prophet, prophecies, you have Isaiah and Jeremiah. You, you've gone through all of these trials, but you've got these little shadows and hints about what is to come. 400 years is a long time, right? Do, do, you, know 400, do you know your history 400 years back? Your family history? We may tell stories from grandma and great-grandma and... Maybe if you, your family came, came here from Europe or maybe came by way of slavery, you, 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 you might know a little bit. They arrived at Ellis Island on this date. 400 years is a long time. The people of God had um, many lost hope. And then John the Baptist burst on the scene. And when he comes, it's not just that the Messiah is coming, but with the Messiah comes the new kingdom, comes a righteousness comes goodness, comes justice, comes faithfulness. The kingdom is here. John signals the beginning of a new era. He's broken in for Israel. And that coming is to awaken our hearts. Boom, if Jesus is just there, it's a lot, right? John comes as, as a herald to say he's coming. The Messiah is coming to tell us what does this mean for us? I hope it means, we think about John the Baptist, we think about Advent, is that we can have confidence that God fulfills his promises. The scripture fits together. God's faithful. God's purposes and plan are true. Um, John Piper tells the illustration, kids, listen to this. Uh, you may have felt this scary thing. I, I, I remember feeling this as a kid before. But Piper speaks about uh, Advent as um, there's that um, being in a, in a grocery store or maybe you're in a department store and, and you're with mom or dad or your, or your grandparents or somebody you know and trust and uh, they're going to go around the, the other side of the aisle to, to pick up something. And you, you know you're there. You know they're with you. You know they're faithful. But then you get lost. Anybody felt that? Scary, right? You get lost. You're scared. You don't know what to do. You're frantic. You're, you're wondering. You're looking around. And hopefully, maybe you go to the front counter and you find someone that works there. And you tell them. And there's fear. And there's anxiety. And there's uncertainty. And then you hear a voice, right? You, you look and you don't see mom and dad yet. But you hear a voice. And you know that voice. And the, the heart is calm. Or, or maybe you see a shadow. You see a, a silhouette. And and you can't see around the corner, but that looks like dad. It looks like mom. But you can't see them yet. The heart is calm because you know the rescue has begun. You've been found. They said they weren't going to leave. They were just going to go around the other end. And now they're back. And now you're safe. And now you're secure. This is, uh, this is John the Baptist. He comes to secure to reassure, to take away the fear, to take away the anxiety, to take away the uncertainty. If God was going to come through, God will come through. How do we apply this? I, I hope you see that your, our faith, um, with all the Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled, I hope you see that your faith is not some new thing. It's not like an exotic thing. It's, it's based from the beginning of history. God has been working, been active. It was silent for 400 years, but that didn't mean God was inactive. God is working to fulfill his promise. We're not um, uh, Joseph Smith uh, and the, the Latter-day Saints, right? The Mormons. 
a couple hundred years ago, or Charles Russell and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, they've been around 150 years, 170 years, something like that. It's new. It's this new novel thing. There's a vision. No, our faith goes back to the beginning of creation, and God has been marching through the, through the Old Testament, through the prophets, through the writings, through the Psalms, back into the law, telling us things, pointing us, showing us a shadow. There's voices that are leading up, and we don't see it yet, the people of God, and yet, boom, John's on the scene. And there's this culmination that it's going to happen. The kingdom is going to come. Jesus' words, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time. Tim Keller says that Mark shows that Christianity is the fulfillment of the ancient record of God's actions and plans throughout the Old Testament. And this begins as John the Baptist enters the stage. Um, just practically, I hope the, the continuity of Scripture, the fulfillment of God's promises is reassuring to you, particularly this year, right? I mean, I said earlier, we have had a crazy year. There's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. Um, God's not caught off guard. God's not uncertain. God's not the new kid on the block. God has been doing this from the beginning of time. Second thing John the Baptist shows us not only does he show us the promises of God, uh, but he prepares us for Advent by showing us that, that Advent is the season to repent. To repent. It's one of those churchy words, right? Repent. John shows us that when he comes. Verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. J John, John's old school, you know? He's the, he's the old school preacher. He, he, he's dressed a little bit like a hippie, you know. He's, uh, he's got the, uh, the camel's hair, the leather belt. He's eating the wild honey and the locusts out in the desert. He's kind of new age, you know. He's, he's crunchy, you know. He's uh, whatever term. He's off the grid somewhere, you know. That's how he looks, but his message is as old as it comes. It's repentance. It's repentance. The forgiveness of sins later. He said they, people, they would come to him in the desert. The people would come confessing their sins. He would preach a baptism of repentance. Now that doesn't mean baptism of repentance. It doesn't mean a, a salvation by baptism. But it means baptism pictures for us. We'll, we'll do this next week when we have a baptism. Baptism pictures for us the idea of cleansing. The idea of, of renewal. Of, of, a, of a change of heart. Of a change of a life. Those were coming out to the wilderness see this person, John the Baptist, in the like of Elijah, and he was preaching them to repent, to turn from their sin, to be cleansed. To turn. It's not a religious add-on. It's not like come to this John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, and just tweak your life or, or change a few things about your life. No, it's actually going to be a baptism of repentance, a change of life, a full following of Jesus. There would be a new way. New alliances. You would become a follower, a disciple of Jesus. So John comes on the scene, and he's not Jesus, but he shows us the road to Jesus. He's going to illuminate for the people of God, this is the path. It's going to be one of repentance and new life in Jesus. And that way he prepares for the Lord but not only does he prepare like heralding, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, 
But he also says for us to prepare our hearts. We're going to sing it in a little bit. Joy to the world. You know the, the line. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I won't sing it, uh, Marcus. For y'all's sake, I won't sing it. Let earth receive her king. What, right? Let every heart prepare him room. You ever sing that phrase? Prepare. What's he saying? Every heart prepare him room. That's what John the Baptist is doing. He's preparing us for our hearts to have room and space for the Messiah. He is uh, the Advent preacher. He's calling us in our hearts. We can't properly engage with Jesus, the Messiah, if our hearts are full of idols. If our hearts are full of things dishonoring to the Lord, we can't, there's no space, there's no room. And John says, prepare yourself. Prepare your heart. Repent. Turn. Be ready. John was telling the, uh, the people because Jesus was coming. We know the first coming. But we come to Advent. We're going to celebrate on the 25th of this month that Jesus has come. And yet this season, this four weeks, is still preparing us. We're still getting ready for Jesus. Not just the first coming, but that He will come again. To be on guard, to be ready. Listen to these words of Jesus in Mark 13 about being prepared. Jesus says this, But concerning that day, that's the second coming. Or that hour when Jesus comes again. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. When I say to you, I say to all, stay awake, what Mark says, what Jesus says. So that's what John is telling the first years. Advent season. Stay awake. The Messiah's coming. And it rings true for us. Stay awake. He's coming again. Prepare Him room in your hearts. I know repentance is a churchy word. It means to turn, to give ourselves to the Lord. To surrender the ways we're going. Where do you, this season, let's don't, let's don't waste our, our, our Advent. Let's don't waste our COVID year. Where do you need to repent? Where is your heart hard? Where are you bitter? Or where are you, despite the crate, where are you busy in a way that Jesus is just pushed out? He, he, he wants to do his good work, but there's just no room because of the busyness of our life. John the Baptist comes to show us that this season is one of repentance. It was repentance the first advent. It's for repentance this one. So John the Baptist shows us that the Scriptures are fulfilled and gives us confidence. He shows us that we're to repent, we're to turn. Finally, John the Baptist shows us, and this is, this, is, this, is, this is the good stuff. He shows us the worthiness of Jesus. That's why He came, right? That, that was, the, the, the Gospel begins. This is the Gospel right, of Jesus, the Son of God. That's the news He comes to herald to proclaim this is his ultimate purpose. Listen to these words. Verse 7. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, 
the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, John gives us the pre-context for the, the little manger scenes we have in our house. You know, you have a nativity scene, or you see a little kid's program, and somebody's the little the animals, and there's somebody gets to play baby Jesus, and you got Mary and Joseph, and you got shepherd, and it's cute, and it's fun. Um, John gives us the reason why that's significant. He tells us this one that's coming is so great and so glorious, I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie his sandals. It's the, it's the king of glory. It's the son of God in the manger. John, the apostle John, his gospel, so the fourth, the fourth gospel, reiterates this. John 3, they said a discussion broke out between the disciples of John the Baptist and a certain Jew. And the, John the Baptist says this, You yourselves bear witness that I have said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before Him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears Him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. That's what John said. That was John's ultimate goal. He broke the silence. He wanted the people to prepare so he could say, I'm going to now decrease and fade away. But he must increase. Um, some of you heard me tell this story. Uh, seminary had a professor, Old Testament professor. He, he understood this Christ language. The Old Testament is, is full of the language of the Christ and the anticipation. The Old Testament is the Messiah New Testament, Christ, same word, or different word, different language, same concept. And he would understand this idea of the Christ. So the first day of class, um, he had us all stand up. <laughs> first, I thought, this is the weirdest thing. He had us all, one at a time, he had to stand up and say, um, I'm Ben Nelson, I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And you sit down. The next person stand up. You know, I'm Josh Verde. Uh, I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And he would sit down. And the next person would stand up. You know, I'm Christina Ricks. I'm not the Christ, but Jesus is the Christ. And he went through like 30 of us. And at first we're like, what are we doing? This is kind of weird. But about halfway we got it. And, and you couldn't hear a pin drop in the room. His point was, you're, you're doing all this, I'll tell you this, Margaret, you're doing all this seminary work, all this hard work. You know, Hebrew and all these classes. And he realized you're doing all of this work not because you are the Christ, not to be exalted, so you will get out of the way and you will be like John. And you will herald, you will proclaim the worthiness of Jesus. Somewhere in the middle we got it. And half of us are weeping. We realized <laughs> we get so much wrong, right, in the church. We make it about us. We make it about our ministry. John, John was not confused. John didn't think he was the next celebrity preacher on the scene. Right? He wasn't focused on himself. He didn't have a huge TV following. He came to proclaim and to get out of the way to show us Jesus. John's contribution for us is to show us our need 
to get over ourselves. Advent, to get out of the way. Not that the life would be about our, our self-fulfillment or, or, or all the things we long for, all the things we want, though we get many good things in life. John shows us the goal is to see the beauty and the worthiness of Jesus. Advent is certainly the perfect season for that. We ruin it, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. We ruin it with like little cliches and platitudes, but it's actually true. It's the reason we do this. Um, how do we demonstrate his worthiness? Application, worship, right? We worship. We sing, come and adore him. The shepherds came, right? The, the, the wise men would come later. Why would they come? They would come to adore. To see the beauty. To see everything God has been pointing in the Old Testament. All these shadows. All these voices that were faint have now come in full view, right? In color in the person of Jesus. Would we worship Him? Do you worship Him? This season is your heart full of worship. And second, he, uh, the worthiness of Jesus, we testify. That's what John was doing. He came to bear witness that Jesus is the answer. There was no delusions. It wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. So much so, he would testify at great cost to himself. You know what happened to John the Baptist? Right? What did Herod do at the request of his brother's wife? He would be beheaded, right? Herod would would be beheaded because he was a testifier to the truth. He would be arrested and be imprisoned, and then he would be beheaded, and his head would be put on a plate and brought out at a party, right? The disciples of Jesus saw it, and they went and told Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus here? His good friend, John the Baptist. His head is on a plate because his calling was to proclaim, to herald who Jesus was. Do we testify some of you know, as we wrap up, the, the, the modern-day sort of origins of the marathon, right? You know, um, it's the a- ancient Greek legend, uh, I think 400-something B.C. Um, there's a battle between the Greeks and the, the Persians, uh, and, and it's in the city, the small town of Marathon, and, and the Greeks win the battle, and so the guy, you know, someone who takes off, he's the runner, he has the news to go tell those in Athens. It's about 25 miles away. So he runs 25 miles from, uh, from Marathon to Athens. And he proclaims, right? We've won. The Greeks, we've won. And then what happens, you know? He collapses and dies on the spot, right? It's probably what would happen to me if I tried to run a marathon. Honestly, I'd probably die in the moment. So I'd be, I'd be in good company. Um... It wasn't about the messenger, right? It wasn't about him. He had one goal. He had one calling. And that was to get this information from here to there. Part of our life, our calling, is to proclaim the message. It's to herald the message. It may be costly. It may cost us our life. It does our brothers and sisters around the world, which we take for granted. It costs them their life to proclaim the worthiness of Jesus But when we see it, when we get a taste of it, when we worship and bow down, and we've known something of His goodness and grace in us, then we tell, then we proclaim, then we speak.
think I've ever preached just a series, a sermon on John the Baptist, but it's been really helpful for me. Um, he's the, he is the Advent figure, right? He's the prime example to show us that when he comes, God is doing what he said he would do. We need to know that today. God is doing what he said he would do. He comes t- telling us what we still need to know, that we need to repent of our sins, not just then, but now. And he tells us that um, there is one who is worthy. There is one. His name is Jesus. And every knee one day will bow in heaven and earth to him. This season, let's bow. Let's bow in worship and let's rise and proclaim the worthiness of him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these words uh, from your word. They are true. We have these figures sometimes. We don't really know what to do with them. We don't know what role they play. And yet John played such a significant role, one in which it wasn't about him. It wasn't about who he was. It wasn't about his great gifts. It was about proclaiming Jesus to us and showing us that you are the good and gracious and faithful God. I pray this evening, I pray these next weeks, that we would celebrate Advent in a way we've never celebrated. That we would let the struggle and the sorrow and the tears and the frustrations The quarantines, the sicknesses, the disruptions, we would let those drive us to see you. Lord, may it be so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.